B-Pod Studios. The Felger and Maz podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, the sh- Welcome back to the program. Felgram Maserati from Super Bowl 58 and the Mandalay Bay Convention Center in Las Vegas. Our coverage on Radio Row this week is presented by DM Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip, but choosing your move day winner is a sure bet when you move with DM Van Lines. Our hourly sponsor is Dedham Savings, and we want to welcome another guest. Matthew Judon, Patriots linebacker, joins us here on set. How you doing, Matthew? I'm doing well. How y'all doing? Good. Good. How you doing? How you doing? How's the injury? Uh, good, man. Uh, I feel like I'm fully functional. I feel like uh, I got my strength back, my mobility back. Uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm ready to play. Forgive me because I forget. What what was it again? We have bicep. Okay. Yep, a little bicep. So now that Bill's gone and Gerard Mayo's a coach, can you say what your injuries are? Are you allowed to talk about injuries now? Uh, my injury was uh, fully uh, out there. It was, uh, you know. Uh, I think I think it was on ESPN. I think it was on everything. I'm just uh, kind of joking because you know, I know, there, I know. There, there there is obviously a change, and there are going to be changes. Do you think that's one of them? Do you, do you think as a player, you are now going to be freed up a little bit? You know, Bill was very conscious about what was said publicly, injuries otherwise, and Gerard Mayo has promised to be more of an open book. Do you think that's going to translate to the players, and you'll be able to be a little bit more yourself now? Uh, you know, me, I was always truly myself, but. I mean, talking about injuries really don't help uh, until you you know the full scope. And so, you know, I could I could have told y'all I hurt my bicep, but I, I really didn't know too much about it until we actually went in there and saw uh, what happened. And so, I think I just never talked after that. I never was back on a uh, uh, interview. And so, maybe people might say, "Yeah, I hurt this or I tweaked that. I I did this. I did that." But I think more that was a strategic thing for Bill and and not talking about injuries. Okay, where are you with the team? Have you been told you'll be back? Do you want to be back? I know you had a little bit of a contract thing last year. Where are we this year? Well, I got I got another. I have another year on my contract, so I'm I'm back. Uh, are you happy with it? Are you yeah. happy with where the number is? And I, I'm happy. I'm happy that uh you know I'm still able to play football. You know it's uh you know numbers uh. I let my agent and and Matt or uh, whoever is figuring that out, uh, and we and we'll go on by that. But I think the best thing about the game is playing it and uh, being a part of it, and that's what that's what I want to do. But have you talked to Gerard? Have you talked to either Macro or Elliot Wolf? Apparently, is going to be the guy. Have you talked to these? Have you talked to the team? And are you sure going to be for sure going to be back? You know, I can say that now and then get traded tomorrow. Uh, you know, it, it's, this game is a business. is a business. I just want to play the game. Uh, but I also have to win at the business aspect. But, and, but, so, and I'm sorry just to hammer, but for now, have, have you had that conversation? And are you? I, I talked to I talked to Mayo. I talked to DC. I haven't talked to uh, Matt or Elliot. Uh, but mo- most of our conversations been more about the defense. It's been more about the game of football instead of contracts. Uh, they say they want me there. Uh, I want to be there, you know. But uh, like I said, business is business. Money talks is what you're getting now. You see what happens ah. down the road. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, or maybe I am. But that's neither here nor there. How do you feel about where the team is right now? Uh, I think I think everybody needs to get better that's what you do in the off season you uh you reflect you take time you you know you lick your wounds you heal up 
but you go and you practice and you get better. And I think uh, every every man from you know the first guy to the last guy needs to get better. And it's- and so that's just that's just honest reality. But with my teammates and and how we move and how we think, I love I love them, every single one of them. And so I think everybody's gonna come back a better man and better prepared for the next season. Have you talked to? So you have talked to Gerard and, and uh, Covington apparently about football. Are there going to be changes on the defensive side of the ball with your scheme or your system? Or are things going to get done differently from what you've understood? Uh, you know, I think we're going to play a little bit more aggressive, but I I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think we're going to see uh, coming in OTA. So, you know, kind of ask me in two, three more months, and then I have something better for you. But uh, other than that, I, I don't know. So it, it's going to be a new playbook because it's a different head coach and a philosophy in the scheme. But uh, different I don't playbook. Know. So, like, well, I, I mean, different terminology, different. Well, I don't think it's going to be different terminology. Uh, may have been there forever. Yeah. But uh, I think. It's going to be a different playbook because it's a different person calling the calls. You know, it's a, it's going to be, I think, Mayo going to want to run his stuff and put his own uniqueness. And D.C. is going to want to run his stuff and put his own own spin on things. And so I don't know if it's going to be a whole completely different playbook, but it's going to be Gerard Mayo playbook. Do you look on the offensive side of the ball and what do you want to see there, Gerard? If, if, if uh, excuse me, uh, Matthew, if if they bring back Mac Jones, do you feel that there's a fit there? Uh, honestly, I don't care. Uh, I mean, it sound it sound terrible. I just want our offense to score points. Our offense to score points, sustain drives, and re- regardless if that's Mac, Zappy, somebody else, uh, I don't care. I, I don't care. I think I think both Mac and Zappy has the talent to do it. They just have to do it. And so that's that's going to be up to them. So, like I said, the offseason is to get better and come back a different player. And I think uh, they both can do it, and they both have the skill set to do it. They just have to do it. Did the defensive side lose faith in the offensive side last year, and did that sort of creep into the creep into the mix? Uh, well, I was out after the fourth game, but I, I say hell no. Nah. Like we, I I know Bentley, uh, I know the leaders on that team, and. We just go out there and ball. It's like, I mean, give us a give a, give them the ball on the five yard line. We go out there to stop them. Like that's that's our that's our that's our thing. And we just trying to keep points off the board and sometimes put points on the board. So it, it really don't matter. The prospect of a more aggressive defense, if that's what it, you, I mean, you got to love that if you're a defensive player, don't you? Isn't that what every guy's looking for? Yeah, I think I think we see a lot of defenses now. You know they kind of attack, and they and they attack either you know tackles or guards or centers, and kind of pick on them. And so uh, if we can attack, force quarterbacks off the spot, it's a, it's a lot of great moving quarterbacks, and they can throw it everywhere. But if we can force quarterbacks off the spot and make them uncomfortable by attacking them, I I, lo- I love to do that. And given that you've already sorry, Mez, but that you've talked to Gerard Mayo and Demarcus Covington, are they are you going to have like say in some of these game plans? Because you're one of the leaders of the team and that side of the ball. I mean, I would love to, but uh, I got to do my job. And you know, I got kids, and I'm I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going home. I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach, and I don't want to. I don't want that task. Uh, you know, I'm going to make sure I do what I need to do and go out there and play and produce. 
but I don't want to also be a coach. I, I, I ain't LeBron. I'm not a coach player. <laughs> Matthew, thanks so much for coming by. We do appreciate it. Thank you All so right. much. Good luck to this year. We hope thanks to see you, 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 know, you. Uh, you out there in uniform. Yes, sir. All right, we will be back with your calls, I promise, right after. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. Michael Felger, Tony Maserati, and who knows who, live from Radio Row at the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas. Presented by DN Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip. Choosing your move day winner is a sure bet with DN Van Lines on 98.5 The Sports Hub. I, I want to see Mac in a better space. Whether it's there or somewhere else, I want him in a better protected space where he has a better chance to go show who he can be. I have a lot of confidence in Mac, despite the fact that a lot of people in, the, in Boston are probably like done with Mac. So that's just somebody who sent me good signals. Sent me some smoke signals. Like I, I think Mac's going to be, if he can get the proper help and the and the, and the innovation and and the, and the and the protection, I really believe in Mac. I still do. So when you say signals, can you give us more? What do you mean? What do you see in Mac Jones that makes you say this guy can do it? Well, look, I can understand why people are down because it looked bad. But what I'm saying is, when he had, because the coaching situation. I, look, I, 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 what can I say? When you when you take a defensive coach and throw him in and, and make him the quarterback and have him call plays, and it's just it's not right. Embarrassing. It's yep. not right. And so you can't. And I thought Mac, in many ways, showed me that season. Like I, I, everyone in the world knew this was just a crap show, right? Like, like what? But Mac kind of stood in. Like he didn't. It was the next year where things started to really go haywire, and I think it just over. It just gets too much, and I can understand that. I'm not. I'm, I'm not against that. Mac might be, you know, in a space now where he can't get back together. You know, put it back together. Uh, but I just there's something about his how he handled that season that was just. I I remember we had a Monday night game that year, and I was I, I caught him for a second, and I just said, I'm so sorry. You know, because as a quarterback that was in Tampa Bay, went two and fourteen, and I was a part of the 49ers of fourteen and two every year. It seemed like I've been, I've been where you are, and I'm so sorry. And I hope that you can get to a space where this changes. Welcome back, Felger Maz here from Radio Row Super Bowl Fifty Eight. We're brought to you by Dedham Savings, the four o'clock hour here on the show at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. That was Steve Young on with us yesterday. It was very heart. It was a very heartfelt conversation. Yeah, there. it's like Robin Williams as Sean in uh, Goodwill Hunting saying, well, "It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I'm, I'm just so sorry." It's a good analogy, Murray. I'm just so, so I'm so sorry for you. I am. I'm. I'm so, I'm so sorry this happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what. But, but again, that's what that whole freaking clown show also evoked from people in the game towards Mac Jones because it was such stoogery of the highest order. 
Like, really? So, is he salvageable is the uh, question. Steve Young thinks he is. Not here. Not here. I don't think so here. And, and, I, talking I, to Devin McCourty earlier, I think that that's now evident. Like, even he said, like, yeah, it's salvageable, but just he's got to get out of here. And, like, the booze and everything raining down on him, it's just it's too much. And even there now there's this new coaching regime, it doesn't matter. The first bad game he has or the first pick six he throws again, people are going to be all over him and chanting for whoever the rookie is or maybe Bailey Zappi. It's done here. So, the, the two things I took from Judon there is, well, there's three. One is, I still feel there's a contract thing coming there with him. Definitely. <laughs> there's like, that's not a lock that he's back, and there's another renegotiation coming or something. So I don't think he's a lock, and, well, et cetera. That, there's one. Two, they just got to score points. You know, he said that about the, I don't care if it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zett. They Can you just score some points? And then when I asked him, you know, was there frustration there? He didn't go there. But obviously, I mean, there were games they didn't score any points. Yeah. So... Uh, that's something that they've got to sort of come together on because I do think there was a defense-offense thing there last year. Yeah, the way he said it, too, was like, it was almost like, dude, I don't care who the quarterback is, just don't <laughs> suck. Yeah, right, exactly. Right? Just right. don't suck. Just, can you score some points? Right. And, and look, he went out of his way to, to say, you know, Mac and Zappi Zappy. both have the ability. Like, say, so he didn't pick a side there, which is smart. You, you know, you do that, it becomes, because you don't know who's going to play. But... I, I took it as, dude, I don't give a rat's ass as long as he doesn't suck. Like, like, give me somebody who can actually function. And I'm curious about, you know, he also said the defense, new playbook, and going to be more aggressive, which is interesting, you know, because it's been 20 years of Bill Belichick, bend but don't break, uh, two gapping up front, read and react, GTFB and back, you know, get the F back at safety, don't give up the big play. You know, that's just sort of been the ethos of the Belichick defense. Is that about to go away? Feels that way. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I'm glad. So, like, now, look, I'm not telling you the, the Belichick way didn't, you know, always work. There were a lot of times it worked. Like, there's, there's some merit to it. But I also think that it's easier to move the ball down the field now than it's ever been before. You know, maybe in the red zone it's still tough to score, so you play down there. But, Mike, how many times have we said over the last couple of years, several years, that – a, a good defensive series now involves a sack, a tackle for loss, a turnover, or a penalty on the offense. That's it. Like, there's no such thing as stonewalling the, oppos- the right. offense anymore, the opposing offense. It just doesn't, it doesn't really exist. And so I think in some way that's what he was saying when he says get the quarterback off his spot. To me, it was about getting after the quarterback and forcing a mistake. I think that that's what defense is now. Okay, but the quarterback thing. Obviously a big issue there. Don't tell me that Mac Jones has a future. Don't tell me that. Uh, we'll go back to your phones here, as promised. 617-779-0985. Open lines if you want them. Howard in Randolph. Hi, Howard. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, Good. The one that hasn't really been discussed of why we're getting these lousy offensive coaches is because to have an offensive vision, you need players to execute. Their roster is so devoid of real talent that I can see why these guys don't want to come to start over again. Okay, I don't fully buy that. I think there's, if, I think there's a, a, a sales pitch here. We have the number three pick. We're willing to pay you at the top of the market. It's a blank slate. It's a three-year guaranteed contract. This is going to be your program, your offense, with a dynamic young quarterback and a blank slate that you get to build around. Go out and get that guy. And, and said they lost, you know, the guys they wanted, but one of them went to Chicago. Another one stayed in Cincinnati. Another one went with Raheem Morris to Atlanta. Like, 
Why didn't you prioritize one of those guys, sell him on it, pay him, make it worth his while, and, you know, where was that? Instead, you were behind on all of them, you lost out on all of them, and you settled for the 12th guy of 12 that you interviewed. I mean, it's just, no, though there was no real plan. There, and there was no real attempt to incentivize or... So, like, I understand it's not a, a desirable place right now. But why is that? Because you're not you're you're making it undesirable by one not paying them and not laying out a vision that would make it an attractive job. And that might be the most important thing, though. What you first said, the money, like not paying these guys, because otherwise that exists. Like it's a blank slate. You can take a quarterback at number three. It's your vision, your offense, whatever you wanted to do with it. You learned under Shanahan, McVay, whatever. Any of these more innovative minds, you get to do it. What would be the thing to block that? Well, we can only pay an X amount well, of money. Exactly right. So the guy says, "Well, I'm going to start over. You're starting from the bottom. There's going to be some fits and starts early on. Am I going to? Now I'm going to move my family out here, and you're not going to pay me at the top of the market, and then you're going to fire me in two years? No, no, I'm not doing that. So the Patriots have to say, no, no, five years guaranteed. You know, like that. They got to, they got to sell them on it, and I feel like they're willing to do it. Definitely not. And let me. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, Bert's going to be uh, posting something here uh, in a little bit. That, I don't know if I, we should wait for him to post it. Like he told me what he was going to be writing. Ooh, so you got oh. something? Yeah, it's it's and it's not good. It's not good. It's nothing that's going to make you feel not good about the process. Uh, I, would, I would let him post it. Vic in Virginia, go ahead, Vic. What do you got? Post it. Uh, some optimism for Van Pelt is the one. Hold game on one called. second. Hold, hold on. Hold on, Vic. Bert, have you posted that thing yet? Have you posted? Can I say it before you post it, or should you post it? Oh, I can say it. Okay. Well, hurry up and write it. You write like yeah, yeah, I know. Oh my God! It's like you're, you're, it's it's forever. He's punchy. He had a bad night of sleep. He was telling Seriously. me about his bad Airbnb staying. Yeah, he's he probably up talking the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> he sucked all the oxygen out of the room. Uh, well, hold on, Bert. You want to just deliver it yourself since it's your nugget? Come here. Yeah, get your ass over here. Come yeah, here. we need the audio. Seriously. Of it. Come here. That's and Bert. Right. And Bert, get to the point. <laughs> Keep it under no, ninety seconds. No Bert. lead up. Okay, so, so for the record, I did file it. I'm not holding on to it. It's oh. in the editor's hands. Okay, so, so you, guys, you guys know what that feels like. Bart, yeah. what are you reporting today? Yeah, so part of my reporting was on um, the new structure course with Elliot. And the bigger part of it is that Elliot's going to oversee the entire personnel department, have power, which was reported yesterday. Pat Stewart's going to oversee pro. Matt Groh is going to oversee college. And then there's going to be some crossover. A nugget that I figured out when I was reporting that out, though, was when they went through their offensive coordinator interviews, a lot of times you can tell who's got power in the organization. There were four people in the offensive coordinator interviews. Gerard Mayo, the head coach. Macro, who was last year's top personnel guy. This oh, year's top personnel brother. guy, Elliot Wolf, And? Robin Glazer. Oh. Oh, brother. <laughs> so she was in there. My, my belief is now they took advice from the league on this. Four people. How come they didn't invite everybody? <laughs> If you're going to invite four, why not just have everybody in there? And but, no, no, no. Let's make the, it a, a true pop. The team wants you to know that uh, that Jonathan Kraft and uh, they are not involved in this football decision making. Okay, just what the team wants to make that clear to everybody, just so we're clear. Yet, Robin Glazier's in. The, go ahead. They wanted to have so the the league advised them to have a diverse committee, which they do. Right, that that is a diverse committee. Um, and my understanding is she was in charge of the money, the negotiating. So that was sort of her role in the whole thing. See, again, this, I, I'm glad this is becoming clear because ownership got people to blame Bill for that stuff on the staff with the free coaches mm -hmm. and the tight money and all that. That was Bill's deal. 
Well, now yeah. Bill's gone, and it's still happening. So are we clear now? I mean, that ownership was a part of that story. I sort of look at this, too, and, and guys, like, I, I thought all along the ideal candidate was Shane Waldron. Now, I don't know how much you guys know about his background, but he wound up in Chicago. He did two stints here, plus he's been a play caller, plus he was Sean McVay's right-hand man in Washington and, in L- and at the beginning in L.A. And so he was looked like he checked every box, played football at Tufts, right? Like, so has local ties, too. Clearly a bright guy. And has, yeah, and has, has like, checked every box you would want and the reason Chicago got him they knew he'd have a lot of interest they knew their job was going to be a little more difficult to fill because their head coach could get fired in a year so they got aggressive the guy the kid had five six interviews lined up the Bears said you know what if he comes in and does a good job in the interview we're just going to offer it to him give him good money be done with it and that's what happened um, I think it was a smart I mean it's hard to I don't, I don't want anybody to sit here thinking like the Bears are out foxing everybody, but it was a smart way to approach that one. But yeah. your point is they were aggressive. Yeah, where were the Patriots? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the point that, is that's they were the aggressive. Guy, that's the guy I want. We're going to pay we're, for him. We're, we're not going to dink around. We're going to make him an offer he has to right. take, and that's it. It's and then, over. And then Shane Waldron's in a position where it's like, yeah, I've got these five other interviews, but I have an offer here, and it's good money here, so I better just take this. Hold on one second. Since Bert is here, I'll, I'll let him help me with this call as well. Vic in Virginia, what were you going to say about Van Pelt? Uh, the optimism was that he did call the one game in 2020 when uh, the coach had COVID, and it looked like Baker mm-hmm. had one of his best games in the playoff game. So he didn't crap the bed in his first gig. So I okay. feel like that's an optimism. This is true, Vic. Then, that yeah. Van Pelt did have play call experience in one game, or I think I think it was actually two, but in a playoff game when yep. Stefanski got COVID, Van Pelt called the plays. And they scored he, a watched, he watched the base. He watched the playoff game from his basement. <laughs> it was uh, Stefanski was quarantined in his basement for that game. Okay, so fine. If he's such a great play caller, why is this man 53 years old? And this is the first time he's been hired as a play caller. Okay, again, he called plays because he he, he pitched uh, pinch hit for someone who was sick. He is he's 53. Yeah. And he's never been hired as a play caller. That just does not feel to me like a... It's who he's worked for, though. That's part of it. It's like he's always worked for offensive coaches. Well, you yeah, know? So, but Bert, if he's such... And I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that, he would have been they, hired they by, by somebody else. who would have given him the reins. Yes. And, and, and that's, a, that's a fair criticism. But he's an experienced guy who's really well-respected. And I think the people in Cleveland would tell you, like... This was a guy who helped hold the staff together. There were a lots and ups, a lots, a lot of ups and downs over the last few years. And that offense, to be fair to him was on its fourth quarterback, had its fourth and fifth tackles, had no Nick no, Chubb. No, I'm not talking about – I'm talking about yeah. – Who's calling about, the plays. If he, right. if he was considered plays, a, yeah. a hot, up, uh, you know, a sought-after right. up-and-comer, he's calling plays in his 40s. Yeah. You know, the, he's, he's not getting his first play-calling job at 53. That feels to me like a team that ran out of options. Uh, yeah, and, it, I, and it, I think, like, I mean, honestly, like I – but, you know, Bert, I think Nick Cayley was number one on the list. And they didn't want to pay him. Yeah, I, I don't know if it came down to money, but, you know, I think he could have had it if he had wanted it. I'll put it that way. Bert, um, is Van Pelt still being paid by the Cleveland Browns? Was he under contract? I, I, I would have to dig into that. I'm not positive. Well, let's do but, that, show. But I, I will, but they, they had um, uh, <laughs> Just ask I, the question I, quickly. <laughs> I, know, I know, Kevin. I know, Kevin. I know this. Kevin Stefanski has not gotten his first contract extension yet. So, um, but generally, like, generally guys have years left when they get fired. You're it's right. like pretty rare that a guy gets fired where he doesn't have any years left because guys, 
more often than not, assistant coaches don't go into contract years that way, and it becomes news if they are. Okay. Bert, thanks for coming over. We yep. appreciate it. We look forward to that posting on SI.com. How's your Airbnb? You had a little rough one? Oh, yeah, it was a long night. Well, so I'm, you, okay. I, 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 I'm okay. I, I'm okay. I'm, 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 I thought you were at the Cosmopolitan, to which I said, I thought Sports Illustrated was going bankrupt. Well, we, did, we, 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 did, we, did, we did a little bit of both. This, So I had to, I was at the Cosmo the first three nights, and then... Uh, he was in a child's bed last night, is basically no, what they really put him in. I feel terrible. Bunk bed. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'll make it through the week. Before you leave, Bert, I want to remind you of something Mark Twain once said. Very important. Very important. Statement. Johnny Appleseed over here. Brevity. <laughs> Brevity is the soul of wit, Bert. Brevity. I did pretty well there. <laughs> okay, Bert, thanks for coming by. Here are the headlines, and we're back with more from the Super Bowl. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. What a disaster. It's Felger and Maz, live from the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas, presented by DM Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip. Choosing your move day winner is a sure bet with DM Van Lines. 98.5 The Sports Hub. Welcome back to the show. We are joined now on Radio Row from uh, for some San Francisco perspective with a KC beat guy on Late in yesterday's show, so let's get the 49ers side. We'll do it with Tracy Sandler. She's covered the uh, 49ers for eight years, you say? Yep, this is my eighth season. For your own company? Yep. And again, it's Fangirl? Help me with Fangirl that. Sports Network. Fangirl Sports Network. We are a digital sports media company, and our content's a little bit more focused on female sports fans. Aha! So, like, for example, how do you cover the Niners for the female sports fan? Covering the Niners is a little bit different. News and analysis is what it is. But I do a lot of fun things with the Niners. We have a series called Niners Unplugged. And so we've done everything from most embarrassing song on your playlist, favorite Usher song, who would make the best Santa, that type of stuff. And that, that gets to be, males like it too, but females really like it. On the fangirl side of my company, we do a lot of content that highlights what athletes are doing in the community, highlights women in the industry, gives out content tips in a way that's really fun and pithy and digestible and we've been doing it that way a lot of what the players are doing off the field learning about them a little bit more so that that's kind of how we do it on the fangirl side the 49ers side kind of is what it is and on the football side we were just talking about this off the air before you got here she's like a one man one person i'm sorry totally fine (laughs) one person band like covering the whole super bowl both sides, Niners, like... Filming her stand-ups, doing all the editing, all of that stuff. Grinding. Writing, podcasting, that's, all the things. That's so, the way it is. Are you big? celebrating the Taylor Swift angle to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. And, it, I mean, it's great for us. It's kind of a lot of what we do. We marry sports and pop culture a lot because the two go hand-in-hand. Hand. And I just think it's amazing. Someone was telling me yesterday that his 11-year-old daughter never had interest in sports. And then all of a sudden, she's watching the game. And she's watching the game. And now she is into it. And she understands the plays and the whole thing. And I think it's awesome. I, I don't understand what the vitriol is around it. I don't understand why it 
it bothers people. She's really just there supporting her boyfriend, but you're bringing in a whole other group of people and a strong woman who's worked really hard to be really successful, and that's what she's famous for. You're preaching to the choir. That's this pretty. One I think that's really, really cool. I'm all in. And so uh, I don't understand what people's issue is, is with it. I no. also have to like Taylor Swift, but. Yeah. No, no, well, you know what? People are a-holes. People suck. <laughs> That's exact. Well, that correct. That is 100% what people yeah. say. People suck. That's people suck. really That's the answer. Anyway, Tracy Sandler, okay, <laughs> covers the Niners. How, how do you think the Niners are feeling? How are you feeling about the Niners right now? Because you could say they haven't really been playing very well. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they really should have lost both of their playoff games, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Correct. So do you think they're just playing with borrowed time, or how do you, you know, what's your view on that? I have have a couple of views on it. I think the defensive issues that we saw in those first two playoff games are defensive issues they've had throughout the season. They were able to mask them with an elite offense, and maybe elite is a strong term, but it's the first game to mind. An elite offense and then key turnovers at key times that made it seem like maybe the defense was playing better than they were actually playing. So I do think that's concerning. The Niners have said defensive effort's been an issue. It's been addressed internally. It's not going to be an issue again. Effort or no effort, they can't seem to defend the run, and it's been a problem before these two playoff games, and it's going to be an issue on Sunday because they're either going to have to stop Mahomes or they're going to have to stop Pacheco. Neither of them are easy to stop. Do I think the 49ers are the better team top to bottom? Absolutely in terms of talent. And you have a Niners offense that can play elite and that can make up for some of these defensive issues. But if you go into this game and you get down 14 nothing to Patrick Mahomes, it's over. You're not coming back from that. Uh, and I think a very underrated part of this is the Chiefs defense. Like Everyone's talking about Mahomes. Understandably so. He's probably the best to do it. Certainly the best we're seeing right now. But this Chiefs defense may be even more so the reason why they're here. Sounds like you like the Chiefs. I, I mean, I, I'm very honest about what I see. I, do, I mean, do I like the Chiefs? Sure, they seem lovely. No, but, I, mean, <laughs> I know, but to win yeah. the game, I go back and forth on it, to be honest with you. I've been, I was asked yesterday, and I was very much, it's the Chiefs. Today, I'm like, well, I, I mean, I don't, it could be the 49ers. Ultimately, I think we have a very close game, and there'll be some key play during the game. It could be the end of the game. Someone's going to have to make some crazy, crazy throw down the middle, whose receiver catches it, and whose corner catches it, and I think that could end up being the difference in the game. But the Chiefs are a tough matchup, and they're a tougher matchup than I think people are giving them credit for because they struggled midway through the season. So I'm glad you brought up the San Francisco defense because I've been saying for a little while that if you were to say to me what's the most overrated you know, subunit in all of football, I'd say it's the San Francisco defensive line. That they have not played as well as the star power would suggest. Mm-hmm. And it's been a problem all year long. And they really, look, they had to trade for Chase Young in the middle of the season. Right. So tell me, am I wrong or am I right? Like, what? why hasn't that unit played better? I don't think you're wrong. I think there are probably a few things that have come into play there. I think you had the Nick Bosa holdout, and I'm not blaming him for that because the man should get his money and I believe that 100% but he did miss training camp and it does make a difference and you have Javon Hargrave come in and he's new and so it's adjusting to the line Eric Armstead has been injured on and off throughout the entire season and even though he's back he missed quite a bit of time now they're without Cleland Farrell who maybe a lot of people are listening and saying who's Cleland Farrell but he was he was a person who was very important in the run defense and it was making quite a difference and Chase Young has had moments but he hasn't really set the edge and he hasn't really done what they're hoping that he would do so I think you put all those things together and that is why they haven't really performed to the level people have expected. However, I will say, 
it's not obviously just sacks and stats. So when you look at the way they perform in the game, the things that don't make it onto the stat sheet, they are still playing at a very high level. But there are issues in the secondary, and the loss of Talanoa Hufungo is a really big loss for the secondary, and we're seeing that. They have a CB3 problem, which they've had all year, but they are where they are. So there are issues there. It doesn't mean they can't matter. I mean, but people are going to stop listening to this and be like, forget it, I'm not even watching the game. But it doesn't mean they can't overcome them. But all of these things have combined to create the issues that we're seeing. Again, Tracy Sandler covers the Niners out there in San Francisco. Fangirl Sports Network. Tracy, are they going to pay Brock Purdy? Well, you know, he's he's only he's not up for it yet. Okay. But eventually, I'm sure that they are. I, th- I think no matter what happens Sunday. If he, if he wants to be a top five uh, quarterback in the league, salary-wise, do you pay him as a top five quarterback in the league? I th- think, I mean, when the time comes, I think so, if he continues in the way he is. Because I really think no matter what happens Sunday, he's the top quarterback in the league, and he's been, he's changed this offense. Top five? Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, <laughs> top ten. Top ten. I'm so, give you top you're, ten. you're a believer in Purdy. I am 100% a believer in Purdy. And, and I've been there, so I started covering the team, Chip Kelly was the first year. So, but in Kyle's time, there was... The Brian Hoyer experiment, which was obviously this team is in a full rebuild, but we're going to make Brian Hoyer the starter. It'll be good enough. It was not. Then there was the C.J. Beathard experiment. Then there was the Nick Mullins experiment. Then was Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy was very good for this team and changed the culture of this team. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He was very good for this team. But now you have a quarterback who can really open up the offense in a way Kyle wasn't able to do. He's tremendous at reading defenses. He's elusive. He's tremendous on the fly. I think he is the guy. And he's played just over a season of football. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, he's he's not even two full seasons in. It's just over a season of football. And I do very much think he's the guy. I think he'll play well on Sunday. I mean, you know, unless he goes out and throws five picks, which I just don't think is going to happen. Yeah, I think you pay him that way. Do you think the discourse on him has gotten out of control? Because people are a-holes about Taylor Swift. People are a-holes about Brock Purdy. I'll raise my hand. I'm one of them. But part of it is how he's covered, especially by people that cover the team out there. There was one, I saw a guy that was writing for The Athletic referring to him as it was like a Montana-esque comeback in some of these recent games in the playoffs. So it's like, oh, calm down. I just think he's good. He's just okay, but he benefits from that system. But I think what quarterback doesn't benefit from their system and what quarterback doesn't benefit from the weapons he has around him. I mean, I think you could, yes, we're looking at Mahomes, who certainly doesn't have Tyreek Hill anymore, who much of the season had a Travis Kelsey who was not playing like the Travis Kelsey we knew. Now he seems to have woken up and he's back. But, he, you know, we have somebody like that. But there's one, Mahomes is one of one. So you're not even counting that. But reality is what quarterback doesn't benefit from that? And you have to run the system. And Kyle Shanahan's system is known as one of the most complicated offensive systems in the league. I think Brock is a, and I'm using this term very loosely because he's about to start a Super Bowl, so he's doing fine. But Brock is a victim of being the last pick in the draft, and people just can't seem to get over it. And I think it's funny because you have undrafted guys. Like, the foreigners have Traverius Ward. He was an undrafted guy. He's one of the top corners in the league. Now, nobody talks about, like, well, he really shouldn't be one of the top corners in the league because he wasn't even drafted. But something about being the last pick in the draft is being used against him whereas i do think the narrative should be more like wow this was the last pick of the draft and he came in he led the team to the nfc championship game and in the next year he led them to a super bowl like you can't discount that in my personal opinion tracy thanks for coming by thank you for having we me. appreciate tracy, tracy sandler again fangirl sports network long commercial free segment is next i promise we will get back to the phones don't backstagecountry.com your online home for all things country music <laughs> 
Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. The stars come out for Radio Row Week. It's Felger and Maz, live from the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas. Presented by DN Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip. Choosing your move day winner is a sure bet with DN Van Lines on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Back to the show again this hour of our programming here at Radio Row, Las Vegas, Nevada, Mandalay Bay Convention Center, Super Bowl 58, brought to you by Dedham Savings. Our coverage all week, our presenting sponsor all week is Deanne Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip, but choosing your move day winner is a sure bet when you move with Deanne Van Lines. And, of course, the DraftKings Sportsbook remains our big uh, grand poobah sponsor. We thank them for their support, as always. I promise to go back to the phones. Um, we've done a ton of interviews today, but the one thing that just sort of developed here in the last, I don't know, 30 minutes or so is Albert Breer posting on SI.com and then coming on with us talking about the now the new power structure there in New England. And a, a detail that he uncovered was that when the Patriots were doing their offensive coordinator interviews, okay, interviewing these, again, prospective offensive coordinators, they had four people in the room. And Bert obviously got this from the actual coaches that were doing the interviews because Bert would ask him who's in the room because he said that's often a tell uh, who's in charge. If you mm-hmm. have a hard time figuring out who's in charge of something, well, you ask the people who are, do, are being interviewed, and they'll tell you who's in the room, and that gives you an idea. So he heard that there were four people in those Patriots offensive coordinator interviews. Gerard Mayo, Elliot Wolf, the new de facto GM, Macro, the head of personnel, formerly, and Robin Glazier who is the vice president, who is attached to Jonathan Kraft, who Seth Wickersham had reported a month ago when he detailed sort of the inner workings of what was going on there. The fear in the building was that Jonathan Kraft and Robin Glazier would take over football operations. And so now we have a clear sort of detail that indicates Jonathan Kraft and Robin Glazier are involved in football operations. There are so many things to me that are alarming about that scenario. I don't even know where to begin. Okay, one of which is this. First of all, as soon as he said four people, I rolled my eyes. Okay, so start there. It should be Max, too. Should be the head coach and the GM at most. That's it. That's it, at most. And really, ideally, it should be one. It's just a coach. But, but let's just say it's two because they're in a situation that's unique. Fine, two. It should be Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo. That's it. What the hell's Mac Rowe doing in there? He's if a, he, if right, he's, he's the head of college scouting personnel, right. right? If he's that, what does he get to do with the offensive coordinator? He should be out of there. He shouldn't be in there. And Robin Glazer being in there to me is a representative of ownership. That's what that's all about. And she's there to to do the money part of it. So wait a minute, Mayo and Wolf are not qualified to do the money and negotiate a contract. Or, you know, I don't know, set, set the salary? Yeah, I, I, so I just think that it's all a bad look. It makes the organization, if you ask me, look Mickey Mouse. 
And, you know, again, it happens in other sports, too. I think it makes the team look Mickey Mouse. we got to have all these different people here because the coach and the GM aren't empowered to actually make the decision when it comes to the money, don't you know? So we could have someone else in here to let everyone know that the money's now going through a different channel. And, you know, if that's the case, then have the owner sit in there. If it's a big enough negotiation, the owner should sit in. Or, you know, yeah. to, or Jonathan. Sure. Okay, or Robert. Either one is fine. But the, the fact that they are not doing contracts or that they have to have someone looking over their shoulder to do contracts, that's a bad look. That's a bad look. Yeah, it's the, usually the people at the top think that whoever is there that should be normally doing that thinks they're underqualified or stupid. Correct. Yeah, correct. It basically sends that message. That's a good way to look at it, Murray. It sends that message. Our people are inexperienced. They don't know what we're doing, so we got to have someone in here who high, who's higher up looking over the process. And then there's the matter of, again, I, I told you, on multiple levels, it should alarm you. The other thing is... What's Robin Glazer's experience when it comes to negotiating contracts? I don't know. So I don't either. I mean, she might have a lot of experience in negotiating, uh, you know, in, in the business world or through the, the crafts and the Patriots business end of it. I bet she's got a lot. What, uh, about, what about football? I don't know. So, again, it was all running through Bill. But the fact that they weren't, again, I would say prepared to deal with this is what we were saying about they, they were ready to move on from Bill, but they weren't prepared for his absence. Okay. That's what that feels like. That is, to have that many people sitting in, bad look. Yeah. All right, so there's just one more detail that I don't not feel good about. I, I, I swear, there's no commercials here. It's a quick update with Murray. Right back, your calls. Don't go anywhere.